There's a TV show that Jack and I like to watch. It's a comedy called Parks and Recreation. And it is about a government office uh, that manages the parks and playgrounds for a small town uh, in, a, in Indiana, right? And it follows the, the adventures of these characters. And a major plot point of the first season of this television show, again, if you've not seen it, no big deal. A uh, major plot point of the, of the first season is there is a, a condominium developer that has built, uh, dug out a big hole in a neighborhood. And building these condominiums, they ran out of money, so all that's left is this big hole. No condominiums, right? So you've got this giant hole in the middle of the neighborhood. And, and, and so one of the characters uh, falls in this hole and he breaks his leg. Uh, and this starts the ball rolling for this uh, Parks and Recreation Department to say, hey, we need to fill in this hole, right? We need to fill in this pit, and we're going to put a park there, right? Now, the condominium developer did not mean to build a big pit in a neighborhood for people to fall into. And not only one character falls in. Like over the course of the show, several characters fall in uh, and, and hurt themselves. But the condominium developer did not set out to build a pit, right? They set up to build a condominium, uh, but then they ran out of money, and, and so they ended up with a pit, right? And so, so the, the Parks and Rec Department looks at this, and they say, hey, this thing is an eyesore, this thing is annoying, and more importantly, this thing is dangerous, people are getting hurt, uh, we need to fill in this pit, right? We need to fill in this pit so people stop getting hurt. That's what we're talking about tonight at Chi Alpha. We're talking about filling in pits, filling in holes, right? So people don't get hurt, <laughs> filling in pits in our lives. Uh, filling in pits in our hearts. You know, we started the series two weeks ago uh, looking at the book of Jeremiah. We looked at God's call on the prophet Jeremiah. God called Jeremiah to be a prophet to the people of Judah and to the nations, calling them away uh, from their idols and calling them to pursue God with all their hearts, love God with all their hearts. Uh, we looked at the call of God on Jeremiah's life, uh, and we looked at how God had a, a purpose and a plan for Jeremiah's life before he was even born. We talked about the purpose and the plan that God has for each of your lives. And not a single one of you are a mistake. And I believe that with all my heart. Not a single one of you are an accident. God has a purpose. God has a plan uh, for each of your lives. And you can know it. Uh, and we talked about that that first week. Last week we looked at uh, Jeremiah chapter 2. Uh, and God's prophecy to the people. Calling them away from their idolatry. And calling them to God. Uh, and, and Jeremiah paints this picture. Uh, God paints this picture there in verse 13 of God as a fountain of living water that we can go to and drink deeply from and satisfy all the deep desires of our heart. Whatever it is our heart is longing for can be satisfied, can be fulfilled in God. God says, I'm a fountain of living water. Come to me, drink deeply, and let me satisfy those longings of your soul, those deep longings of your soul. And we talked about the problems that we have in this life uh, oftentimes come from us trying to find satisfaction in other things other than God. And that's what gets us in trouble. Time and time again, that's what gets us in trouble, uh, is us trying to find satisfaction and meaning uh, in, in, a, in a hobby, in an activity, in a sport, uh, in, our, in our career, in our school. We try to find value and meaning and identity in those things. We try to find satisfaction and love and meaning in a relationship, a love relationship, a friendship, uh, and all these kind of things that, that can ultimately let us down and disappoint us. And, and, and God says, I'm the only one that can ultimately satisfy those desires of your heart, really fulfill those desires you have for, for, for love, for peace, for meaning, for identity. Uh, and he says, I'm a fountain of living water where you can come and drink deeply. And I can satisfy all that. But we get in trouble when we instead we turn away from God and we try to satisfy those things in other places, right? And if you missed those first two weeks and you wanted to listen to those, all of Kyle's messages are recorded and available online. 
uh, on a podcast, Kyle from Memphis, also on the website, KyleFromMemphis.com. You can go back and listen to those or share them with a friend. Uh, but tonight we're going to wrap up that series in Jeremiah, uh, and we're going to look at the second half of verse 13 there. Uh, the message tonight is called Empty Wells. And, and last week we looked at the first half of verse 13, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. We talked about that picture of the fountain of living water. And tonight we're going to focus on the second half. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. God says, For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. That's the first one. And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. A cistern is another word for a well. God says, I'm here a fountain of living water. So picture in your head, man, man, a fountain just flowing with crisp, clean, delicious water, refreshing, satisfying, and you can just stick your head in and drink, 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 drink until you're so satisfied. God says, I'm this fountain of living water, but here's what my people do. Here's the two big sins of my people is they turn their back on me. They abandon me, the fountain of living water. Instead of coming into my presence, Instead of spending time with me, spending time in prayer, spending time in my word, letting me satisfy those desires, letting me meet those needs, they turn their back on me and they search for satisfaction in other things. Right? They pick up their shovels and they start digging wells, saying, no, that's good. I, I'm, I'm going to go dig my own well. I'm going to sat- find satisfaction in this thing over here. I'm going to find identity and meaning in this thing over here. I'm going to search for love in this and in this relationship, I'm going to try to find identity and, and, and this activity over here. And we dig and we dig and we dig. And ultimately it disappoints us. It lets us down. That's why Jeremiah calls it a cracked cistern, a cracked well that can hold no water at all. Because it can't really satisfy you. Eventually, that thing's going to let you down. Eventually, that thing you're trying to find satisfaction in that's not God will disappoint you. It will let you down. Uh, that you can only find, man, true satisfaction in Christ. You're going to only have a rock-solid identity and meaning and purpose in your life uh, when that identity and meaning and purpose is rooted in God. Uh, So God says the second thing, and this is what we're going to focus in on tonight, they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns, cracked wells that can hold no water at all. So a cracked cistern, an empty cistern, an empty well, is just a pit. It is just a hole in the ground, right? A well that doesn't have water... It's pretty useless, right? It's just a pit you fall into and break your leg and get stuck and get hurt. I don't know if any of you guys have, have literally been stuck in a hole, like been in a situation where you're stuck and you can't climb out, or been like stuck in a wedged in something else. You're like, hey, I'm in trouble here. I can't get out. Uh, Jackie and I are traveling back from a kind off a trip. Um, we're caught in a freak snowstorm. Uh, went off the road into a snowbank, a, a legit snowdrift, uh, and couldn't get out. Had to dig our way out, and that, that's that's panic-inducing. That's some scary stuff. Um, and, and so, so when we think about, we think about a, a well with no water, a super deep hole with no water at all, you fall in that thing, it's a pit, right? And you can't get out. You're stuck. A cracked cistern, a cracked well is just a pit. And when I read this, I think about the story of Joseph. If you guys are familiar with Joseph's story uh, in Genesis, and if not, I'm going to tell it to you. In, in Genesis chapter 37, you have this guy named Joseph. He's the son of Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has many sons. One of them is Joseph. Uh, And Joseph is favored by God. God has a plan and a purpose for Joseph's life, just like God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God gives Joseph these amazing dreams about how God's going to use him, bless him, and exalt him. Joseph, like, tells his brothers about these dreams, uh, and, and 
like you would be, you'd be like, okay, stop bragging, right? Stop bragging about all the stuff God's going to do for you. I'm not trying to hear all that. Uh, they get really angry with him, really annoyed, really frustrated, um, to the point where they decide, let's get rid of this guy. Like, like I'm tired of him running his mouth. I'm tired of him talking about these dreams. And let's have him killed, right? So they take him out of the wilderness with a plan to kill him. One of the older brothers, again, this is Genesis chapter 37. You can read it tonight. One of the older brothers says, no, wait, 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 let's not kill him. Like, let's just throw him in a pit, right? And they, they found this empty cistern. I don't know if it was a man-made well or just like a natural outcropping in the rock that was used to collect water, but it was empty, this empty cistern, and they throw him in it, uh, and they, they decide, you know, we're, we're just going to leave him here in this well. We're going to get, it's uh, verse 24. It's the verse in particular I was looking at. Uh, Jeremiah, or Genesis 37, verse 24. They took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. Right? A cistern with no water is a pit. So Joseph's in there in the pit. He's stuck there. He can't go nowhere. Uh, and some slave traders come along, and Joseph's brothers, and they decide to sell him into slavery. Hey, we're going to sell him to this guy. We'll make some money, and we'll be rid of this guy who's getting on our nerves. Uh, everybody leaves happy, right? except Joseph. Right? Um, you know, so Joseph ends up in a pit, and that pit leads to slavery. And if you're familiar with Joseph's story, man, it, it kind of gets worse before it gets better. Uh, he's in slavery for a while. Um, the, the lady of the house where he's serving in lies on him, and he ends up in a dungeon uh, for years and years and years in, in, in a dungeon. Um, and, and, and eventually, God, God, God pulls him out of that situation and, and exalts him to a position of leadership and power uh, there in Egypt. Um, but, but, but for a season, man, he, he's in a pit. He's in slavery. He's in a dungeon, right? And, and there's a principle I want you guys to, to, to learn here uh, is that I mean, wherever we try to look for satisfaction in something that is not God, we're digging for ourselves a pit. We're digging for ourselves an empty well, an in, empty cistern that can hold no water at all. And an empty cistern is just a pit. An empty well is just a pit. And looking at Joseph's life, man, we see... Man, a pit is something that you're stuck in, you can't get out of, and a pit oftentimes leads to slavery, to bondage. And I want you guys to think about your own life. You know, that Joseph had a pit that he was stuck in that led to slavery. Think about the pits in your own life. When we look at our own lives, when we look at our own hearts, the landscape of our hearts is littered with all of these holes, all of these pits that we've tried to dig Looking for satisfaction, looking for meaning in something other than God. If you guys have seen the movie Holes, this is what comes to mind. Like just holes everywhere, right? Just pits everywhere. That's what our hearts look like, right? All the things, man, all the things we've chased after to try to satisfy those needs that really only God can satisfy. God's the one that created you. He's the one that gave you uh, desires for, for purpose and meaning, desires to be loved, to be heard, to be known. And those are things that only God can satisfy. That fountain of living water is the only thing that can satisfy. But because we search for meaning in everything else, we chase after identity in everything else, we look for satisfaction in everything else. In relationships, friendships, and sex, and drugs, and drinking, and activities, and hobbies, and whatever it may be, we say, hey, maybe this thing will make me happy. Maybe this thing will satisfy this longing in my heart, Right? Maybe this thing will satisfy this gnawing I have or, or this desire I have for purpose, for meaning. And so and we're digging these wells. We're digging these wells and, and there's no satisfaction there. It disappoints us. So we move to the next one. We dig some more. And the landscape of our heart over a lifetime of doing this is filled with holes, filled with pits. 
And, and so we try to navigate life. We, we even try to go for God. I mean, it's hard not to fall in these pits when they're literally everywhere, right? We've got these holes all scattered throughout our life. And, and so you, you wonder why, man, why do I sometimes fall into the same sin again and again? Why do I sometimes get entangled by that same temptation again and again? Why do I sometimes end up in that same rut again and again and again? It's because the landscape of our heart, man, is filled with all these cracked wells, all these holes, all these pits that, that we've dug uh, looking for something, looking for satisfaction in something other than God. And even though our sins are forgiven in Christ, uh, and those, those holes have to be filled, filled in. Those pits have to be filled in. Uh, so we don't just keep falling into them again and again and again. We don't keep struggling with them again and again and again. We need to fill in the pits. And that's the takeaway for tonight. If our heart's filled with pits, if our heart's filled with holes, we've got to fill them in. We can't just leave those things empty. It's not about just like avoiding, sidestepping the holes to try to get to the fountain. Right? It's drinking deep from the fountain and letting God fill in those pits, fill in those holes so we don't get tripped up over them again and again and again. We don't find ourselves falling into them and in bondage again and again and again. Those of you guys that are science minded, right? Or even if you're not, you may be familiar with this concept that nature abhors a vacuum. Have you heard that before? Nature abhors a vacuum. What that means is where there is a vacuum, matter is going to rush in to fill it, right? So if I'm in a lab and I manage to suck all the air out of the jar, I make it a, a perfect vacuum. The moment I twist the lid off that jar, what happens? Air rushes back in to fill that vacuum, right? I take that jar and I plunge it under water, right? Water rushes in to fill that jar. Nature abhors a vacuum. Wherever there's a vacuum, something's going to rush in to fill it. Uh, and spiritually, it's the same way. Jesus gives this illustration in Matthew chapter 12. And, and we're going to take a look at it in a second. But the idea is that, man, if we remove sins, we remove temptations, we remove these idols from our life, we remove these things that we're going to instead of God, but then we don't replace those things with the Lord. And we don't, we don't replace those bad things with good things. We don't replace those sinful things with godly things. Nature abhors a vacuum. It's the same in the spirit too, man. That same sin is just going to rush back in or something worse so is just going to rush back in to fill it. That's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 43. He gives this example. He says, When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives... It finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Jesus says that is how it is with this wicked generation. You know, an unclean spirit leaves somebody, right? Uh, and and it, I guess it hates that. And it says, hey, I'm going to go back and check on the house that I just left. And it finds it empty. Swept up, clean. He said, hey, this is nice. I'm going to move back in. Not only that, I'm going to invite my friends. Right? We're going to have a party. Right? Jesus is using this illustration to teach us something that, that spiritually, and, and the spirit, you also can't have a vacuum. Like if you've got something in your life, like the things we talked about last week, we know this thing has become an idol. We know this thing has taken up too big a space in my life. It's taken away from my time with God. Uh, I'm looking for satisfaction and meaning in this thing. Instead of looking for my, in, in God, you can't just remove that thing and not replace it with something else. Because then you've just got this clean, empty house, and something else is just going to rush in to fill it. Uh, when you remove a vice from your life, if you don't replace it with, with God, if you don't replace it with a virtue, 
And another vice is just going to rush in to fill it. You know, so if, I, if I'm addicted to drugs, right, and, and, and I don't do any kind of rehabilitation to try, try, to, try to break that addiction, and I, and I quit doing one drug, I'm, I'm going to just end up doing another drug instead to, to get that fixed, to meet that need. And, and spiritually, we're the same way. Man. We, we, we may turn away from one idol, stop doing one sin, we find ourselves just doing another sin instead because we've not gotten to the root problem. We've not allowed that, that, that hole, that pit to be filled with the Lord. Not allow God to satisfy that need, that desire that we have. Uh, and oftentimes, like Jesus says, we end up in a worse state than when we started. We're trying to go after God, trying to remove the bad things from our life. You guys have been there saying, man, I know this isn't right. I need to get it out of my life, get it out of my life. We try real hard. Got to stop doing this thing that I know is wrong. Uh, and we do okay for a little minute. And then all of a sudden, man, it, it rushes back in. We find ourselves doing it again. We fall in those same ruts again. Uh, and maybe it's worse than it was before. Right? Jesus says that, that man, you can't just leave a vacuum there. That, that when you remove those things, you've got to let God rush in and fill those things. You've got to find that satisfaction in God. You've got to drink deeply from that living, that, that fountain of living water. You're just going to end up in the same situation again, or even worse. When we remove idols from our lives, if we leave that desire unfulfilled, we leave an open vacancy there. And something else is going to rush in to fill that vacuum. Jesus says often it's something worse, leaving us in a worse state than when we started. God doesn't want us only to turn from our sins and idols but God also wants to fill that vacuum with Him. He wants to satisfy our needs. So those things, when they return to the house, they find it already full, already occupied. Say, no, you can't stay here. You need to go on somewhere else. Right? This house is full. There's no vacancy here for you. You've got to go on somewhere. Right? That's, that's what God wants to do. He wants to fill in those pits, fill in those holes uh, where more bad stuff doesn't, doesn't rush in to fill. But you can be total, totally complete and whole in God. I want to share with you guys a picture uh, that the God gave me is over a year ago, um, and we talked about talked about running a couple weeks ago. There's a trail that I like to run on. Uh, it's called the Wolf River Greenway, um, and, and some of you guys know where Wolf River Boulevard is. But, but there's a, there's a park there uh, where there's a stretch several miles of trail that runs by a creek. That's the river Wolf River. It's really the same river that we canoed on a few weeks ago, just a different branch of it, a different part of it. But so I'll run along this river. It's peaceful, super peaceful. Um, but, but it's also, I, mean, I guess the trail's been there a while, and there, there's places where there are holes, where there's, there's potholes. You've got to know the trail, know where you're running so you don't trip. Uh, you catch your foot, face plant, they're running on the trail. Some of you guys like, see, that's why I don't run, so I'm not trying to do all that. So yeah, there, there's, there's roots you've got you to gotta avoid so you don't trip over those. There, there's holes. You've got you to keep your eye out because, because there, there, there's holes you can, you can get tripped up in. Um, but I run this trail a lot, so I kind of know where those are. It's no big deal. Uh, there, was one, there was one weekend where it rained crazy hard. Memphis uh, got record levels of rain. Uh, the creek, uh, the, its river really, it overflowed its banks. Um, and a lot of mud washed up onto the trail. Um, and and the, the entire length of the trail, uh, there would be these big sections that were totally covered with mud. Um, and, and the mud made this, it's kind of... It's just, just totally flat, right? Totally flat. So all the bumps and the holes and the roots and the stuff that normally made a real bumpy kind of landscape was just this flat sheet of mud where all that stuff had kind of been filled in. And again, mud's not great to run in either. But that, that picture, man, when I saw that, when I saw uh, man, all these holes totally filled in, I saw all that flattened, uh, man, God showed me something. He said, man, I want you to pay attention to this. Uh, this is what I want, you, I want to do in your life. This is what I want to do in your heart. Right, all, all those holes, all those pits, I want to overflow the banks and fill all that stuff in. 
right? And so, so that, that, go back to that analogy of the fountain of living water. And God wants you to go to that fountain again and again and again. Keep stirring up that fountain. And then so, so it flows and flows and flows. And erosion can take place. And, and, and all of those, all those pits, all those holes that make up the landscape of our heart, those things can get filled in. Uh, and, and where was a, a landscape littered with holes, lots of stuff for us to trip and fall in, uh, become smooth again, right? Or it doesn't trip us up again. We've got a clear path to God again and again and again. He says, that's going to happen when you come to me. And you stir up that fountain and you let it overflow in your life and overflow in your life and overflow in your life. And that's the way to see those, those holes filled in. That's the way to see those pits filled in. Think about, if you, any of you guys have ever been to the beach, right? And you, you build sand castles. And, and what my son likes to do, and I know some of you guys have done, is, is dig holes. I wonder how, how, how deep can I dig, right? I'm just going to dig, dig, dig. The girls, so my daughters are over there building a really pretty sand castle. And they're putting the seashells in it and the, the seaweed to make them look beautiful. And my son's like, I wonder if I can dig all the way to China if I just keep digging. So he, he's digging a deep hole. And any of you guys have ever dug a hole at the beach, right, close, close to the water there, dig, 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 because it's, it's, it's softer, wet sand there, closer to the water, dig, 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 dig a great big hole, and then you come back to that, come back to that hole the next day. What's that hole like? It's non-existent, right? High tide comes in, and the, the hole totally erodes away. All the sand castles gone. All the holes and pits, gone, right? It doesn't matter how deep a hole you dug. And if you dug it two feet deep, three feet deep, four feet deep, it doesn't matter, right? The next morning, that thing is gone because this massive ocean is totally eroded. That's what God wants to do to the pits that we've dug, right? Those empty wells that we've dug. And he wants to overflow and erode and wash all that away, fill all that in, so we don't get tripped up in those things again and again and again. We don't keep falling into the same temptations. We don't keep falling into the same... Uh, sins. We don't get stuck in that same rut again and again and again. Every one of you have experienced that that sin, that thing that, that you know you're not supposed to do, and you try really hard to stop doing, but you find yourself doing it again and again and again, right? Every single one of us has that thing. It's like, man, I can't believe I did that again. I promised I would never do that again, and here I am again. And God, God wants to fill in that pit, fill in that rut, uh, where you can experience the freedom that Jesus won for you on the cross, where you can truly, truly be free of that thing. Uh, and be able to be satisfied in God and not keep falling into that thing again and again. God wants you, like we said last week, to drink deeply from Him and let that living water rush over every part of your life, eroding those things that used to ensnare you and filling in those pits of all your old idols. Jesus says that when we drink of Him, that water that He gives us becomes a spring of water within us. We looked at this verse last week. I want to look at it again. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Many times in Jesus' ministry, he calls back to this picture uh, of the fountain of living water. This is one of the ways that Jesus identifies himself as God. He says, you know what Jeremiah prophesied about God being the fountain of living water? Jesus says, I am that fountain. If anyone's thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And I'm going to satisfy them. And, and this is, uh, Jesus is talking with a woman at the well. Uh, and it says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, talking about some literal water in a well, will be thirsty again. Verse 14, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
The water I give becomes a spring, welling up to eternal life. When you put your trust in Jesus, when you put your trust in Jesus and say, Jesus, would you save me from my sins? Would you make me right with God? Jesus, because of what you did on the cross, God, would you, your blood cover my sins, make me right with God, uh, so I can have a relationship with God forever. Man, some, something amazing happens. God does forgive your sins. He makes you brand new, completely clean, like you never sinned before. You become a son, you become a daughter of God, and when this life on earth is over, you spend eternity in heaven with Him. But something else amazing happens when you put your trust in Jesus. Jesus comes and lives inside you. He lives through you by the power of His Holy Spirit. Every time someone puts their trust in Jesus as their Lord, and as their Savior, uh, the Holy Spirit is placed inside them as a seal, a stamp, saying, this person belongs to God. <clears throat> Shauna belongs to God. Forever, right? Boom. Hope belongs to God. Forever and ever and ever. I'm His, He's mine forever, right? You've got the Holy Spirit in there as a seal. God lives in you and through you. And Jesus says, that's the water I give. It can be a spring of living water for you, welling up to eternal life. Right? It's that water that you're going to drink from forever and ever and ever and be satisfied. Forever and ever and ever and ever. Ten million years from now, that water is still going to satisfy your needs. It's still going to make you whole. And that spring of water within you needs to be continually stirred up. And it's stirred up when we spend time in God's presence. When you spend time in prayer, when you spend time in God's Word, when you spend time in worship, when you spend time praying alone, when you spend time praying with friends, that fountain of living water... That's the Holy Spirit inside you. It's stirred up. It's stirred up. And it can overflow in those other areas of your life. Amen. And that's when erosion happens. And those holes can be filled in. Those pits can be filled in. The more you stir up that fountain of living water, the more it can overflow. Uh, the more that old life is totally eroded and washed away. And you're made new in Christ. When, when you put your trust in Jesus, you're instantly made new. But also there's this lifelong process called sanctification. Big theology word. It just means that over the course of your life, Holy Spirit's going to shape you and mold you and make you more like Jesus. You're going to get better and better and better. And then in heaven, you'll be perfect. Right? But it's a process. So you're instantly made right with God when you put your trust in Jesus. But then the rest of your life, you spend trying to get more like Jesus, letting God remove sinful things, remove temptations, remove idols from your life so you can get closer and closer to Him. And that happens when you spend time with Him. And it won't happen if you don't spend time with Him. You've got to block out that time each and every day to spend in His presence and drink deeply from that fountain. Stir up that fountain of living water uh, so God can change the landscape of your life, change the landscape of your heart uh, and give you good desires for Him, good desires for godly things, uh, like to see lost people come to Christ, to, to love people, to help people, to serve people, to see justice done in the earth, the kind of things that God gets excited about. He'll make your heart excited about as you continue to pursue Him and find identity and meaning in Him. The spring of water is continually stirred up when we spend time in God's presence. And as it flows, it erodes those pits that have littered our hearts. The more time we spend with Him, the more those empty wells are filled in until they disappear completely. There, there's an analogy I like. It's, I believe it's from a Joyce Meyer book called Battlefield of the Mind. Um, I may have that wrong, but it's a good analogy all the same. Uh, is if you picture a, a pathway in the woods, right, that's well-worn because lots of people walk it, so no grass can grow there. It's just, just dirt and rocks, a well-worn pathway. And, and let's say you want to make a new path, right? And, and at first, the new path is not going to be as well-worn. There's going to be a lot of grass. 
uh, and plants there, but the more you walk it, the more it gets worn down. And the more you stop using the original path, grass will start to grow in, and eventually that path will disappear. And, and, and in this analogy, saying your brain works the same way, right? Your brain, your heart, your desires are wired to go to certain things for satisfaction because that's what they've done their whole life, right? You, you've got certain pathways, and that's part of the reason we end up in these pits again and again. Is it's like, well, that's what I've always done. When I felt that need, I, mean, I know I need to go to God to satisfy, but I've always done this other thing, and it's hard not to just boom because that's the well-worn pathway. That's the path of least resistance. It's just easier for us to go to that thing. And it takes time to wear down that new path. But if you do it man, every day, again and again, you start taking that new path, eventually that new path will become the worn path. And that old path will become overgrown, overgrown, until you can't even see it anymore. And eventually, man, those new habits, those good habits, going to God, drinking deeply from Him, letting Him satisfy you, eventually that's going to replace those old habits, those old pathways, uh, and those old pits, until you can't even see them anymore. And you're going to think back to the person you were a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, and say, man, I can't even believe the stuff I used to do. I can't even believe the stuff I used to chase after. And praise the Lord for where He's brought you. Thank you, Jesus, for man, what you've done. You've changed my life, and you're still changing me. You're making me better. You're making me more like you. That's what God wants to do for each of you. And, and, and those of you guys that say, man, I've got some big pits that need to be filled in. Hey, me too, right? Each and every one of us may have stuff in our life that needs to be filled in. Things we need uh, to see decrease in our life so God can increase. Uh, and, and something I shared last week that I really felt like kind of bringing attention back to uh, tonight is last week we talked about all those things we turn to, uh, all those temptations, all those sins are cheap counterfeits for the true satisfaction we can find in God. That, that whatever that sin is, that pit that keeps tripping you up, if you begin to think of it that way, this is just a cheap and empty counterfeit, a sham for the true satisfaction I can, I can have in Christ. Uh, and, and allow God to, to shape and change the way you see that thing. Man, if, if lust, if sexual sin, if pornography, man, if that's a struggle for you, start looking at that thing for what it is. Man, a cheap and empty counterfeit for intimacy. God created your heart for love. God created your heart for intimacy. And, and, and the number one place God wants you to find intimacy is with Him. You're created to have a deep relationship with Him. He wants to satisfy the deep longing you have to be known, to be loved. That takes time. It takes time getting in prayer. It takes time getting in His Word. And because we're lazy, we say, okay, I could do that, or I could find this quick fix over here. Click, click, click. Just satisfy. And it's not the same. It's not really ultimately satisfying, but I can just get the edge off for a second. Just feel intimate just for a second, even if it's fake, even if it's gross. Just feel intimate. Feel close to something. Feel close to someone for a second. And that's why sexual sin traps us up, right? Because we fall for that counterfeit. That counterfeit for intimacy. That counterfeit for love. To try to take the edge off that need for a second. But God said, man, I'm the only one that can make you feel truly loved. That I can truly satisfy that thing. We talked about, man, sometimes we get prideful and selfish. Because deep down we don't, don't really trust that God's got the best for us in mind. That God's in control of our lives. And he, he, can, he can direct us where He wants us to go. He can bless us. He can care for us. He can provide for us. Because we don't really trust that, we manipulate the situation. We get prideful. We get selfish. We think, I've got to look out for me because no one else is looking out for me. Right? And, and, and so, so, so that pride, that selfishness, that self-sufficiency, um, again, is a counterfeit uh, for, for, for the truth of God. That God's in control of your life. God's in control of your life. And He's got to take care of you, right? He's got to provide for you. He's a good father who takes good care of his children. Amen? And think about whatever it is. Whatever the, the sin is that trips you up, 
uh, if, if it's gossip, right? Uh, if, it's, if, it, if it's sexual sin, if it's pride, if it's selfishness, I don't know what it is for you. Uh, but to think about, God, what is, you know, that's the temptation, but what's the thing underneath it? That deep need that I'm trying to satisfy, and I'm going to this, this cheap and empty counterfeit to satisfy, but instead I can be going to you. God, what is that need that you want to satisfy so I can go to you, drink deeply from that fountain, and really have that thing satisfied? So when I walk through this life, I'm not walking around hungry. I'm not walking around starving, walking around thirsty, giving into whatever little thing the enemy puts in my path. But I can walk around full and be like, hey, no thanks. I've had the real thing. I'm stuffed. I'm good. I don't need that. Right? And it takes time. Just spending the time in God's presence each and every day. Saying, God, would you satisfy those deep needs in my heart? You know what they are. God, you know what they are better than I do. God, you see the needs that I don't even see. God, I just see the things I'm chasing after. You see those deep needs. And God, would you satisfy them? And just spend time in God's presence. Loving on Him. Letting Him love on you. Drinking deep from that fountain until you're done. Right? And then that's how God's going to fill in those pits. That's how God's going to have you full, satisfied, and healthy for Him. And to go through this life and live a victorious life where you're not falling in pits again and again and again. Because I know that gets old, right? That get old for anybody? Falling in the same rut again and again. Falling for the same stupid tracks again and again. God doesn't want that for you. He's got better for you than that. Amen? Let me take some time to pray. Um, I'm going to pray that God really helps us to get a hold of this idea. You may know. You may know exactly the pit. Your brain goes to, goes to a particular temptation, a particular sin struggle. Or you may say, Holy Spirit, I don't, I don't know what it is for me, but I know I need more of you. What are the things I'm getting tripped up on uh, that are keeping me from you? Um, we're going to take, take some time just to let Holy Spirit search our hearts. You guys mind to stand your feet with me? Jackie's going to come up and play. Um, let's seek the Lord together. Just take some time to focus in on God. And ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart. God, would you show me the things that I've been seeking satisfaction in other than you? And they may not even be sins. They may not even be bad things. They may be good things. They're just taking too big a place in my life. If I'm going to them for satisfaction instead of first going to you, God, would you take your rightful place in my heart as first? Would you take your rightful place on the throne of my heart as king? God, that you would be first. You would take first place, God, that I'd go to you first to satisfy desires, to satisfy needs, to be made whole, to find identity and meaning and purpose, God. Holy Spirit, search my heart. Where are the places that, that I've started digging, trying to find satisfaction in other places, God? God, show me the holes that I've dug that are empty cisterns, empty wells that can be pits for me to fall into if I don't fill them in. Holy Spirit, show us what that is. God, we come to you, the fountain of living water. God, we want to drink deeply from you. I want you to stir up that fountain of living water within us so it overflows and erodes, God. God, all those pits, all those holes, God, all those empty wells we've done. We don't even see them anymore, God. We're always see is you where we quickly go to you. We're the first one we go to, God, for satisfaction, God. You're our first thought each day, our last thought when we go to sleep, God, where we love you and cherish you more than anything on this earth, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. 
for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves and making us right with God so our sins could be forgiven. There's anyone in here tonight that says, man, I want to pray to put my trust in Jesus and ask God to forgive my sins so I could be made right with God tonight. If that's anybody in here, could you just raise your hand real quick so I can pray with you? Say, man, would you pray with me? I want to put my trust in Jesus. Thank you. I see those hands. Is it for you? Anybody else that says, man, would you pray with me? I trust in Jesus tonight. Thank you. It's three or four hands. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus. Believe that Jesus is the son of God. And that he went in on the cross on my place. He died dead. I deserve to die. He took the punishment for my sins so I could receive forgiveness. And right now, God, we ask that you would forgive our sins because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We receive that forgiveness. We receive that gift of eternal life. That Jesus didn't stay dead. That three days later, God, you rose him from the dead. And you've placed eternal life in us. And when this life is over, we want to spend forever in heaven with you. Jesus, be our Savior. Jesus, be our Lord. Jesus, we put our trust in you tonight to save us. And we want to live for you from this day forward. With your help. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, and you're, you're a brand new creation in Christ. With a fresh start. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Tonight is a fresh start. You're made totally new in Jesus. 